0: Kelly, good job. Incidentally, you're better than that other fellow whoever he was. <laughs> Randy, if you can't figure this out, this is the old Sure mic, the original one. OK. Sometimes we throw the sound man a curve, just to see if they're still awake. took place at Jericho, on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus knew that when he arrived in Jerusalem, he would die. It is the last stage of the journey for Jesus, but it is the first stage of a new journey for another man. As Jesus travels near Jericho, He asks what's going on, and they tell him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Matthew's record of the healing of the blind man is supported by accounts in Luke and in Mark, where we are told that the blind man's name is Bartimaeus. Matthew tells us that there were, in fact, two blind men who were being healed on this occasion, Bartimaeus just being the most vocal if you find his story, you'll find it there in Matthew chapter 20, and beginning in verse 29. I ask you to read along. Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men by, sitting by the road. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. As our story begins, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. As they pass through the city of Jericho, a large crowd gathers and along the road they come across two blind men sitting beside the road. Here we're introduced to these two blind men, one who Marcus told us is named Bartimaeus. His name means son of Timaeus. Bar means son of There's some speculation that because his father's name is Timaeus, which means defiled or garbage, you might not want to name your child that, by the way, he was also blind. He was blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind Timaeus, less than a flattering designation. But the purpose of this message this morning is to show you how faith change the overwhelming circumstances in their lives there are several things that Barnabas and his friend did that day when Jesus passed by where he sat by the road that led to a change in his life the actions that Barnabas took that day suggest ways that anyone can try when they feel their world is just overwhelming them as his was so I want you to show, show you how faith changes things. Number one, faith produces belief in what we cannot see. Now, let me take a moment to sketch out for you the kind of circumstances that Barnabas lived in. First of all, obviously, he was blind. A blind man in that day could not work. He couldn't read. He could not write. There was no Braille. He couldn't even get around unless he had the assistance of a friend or family. Secondly, he was reduced to begging. A man in his condition, unless he had relatives to support him, could do little else but sit near a popular thoroughfare and cry out alms, alms for the poor. Third, he was an object of pity. I say that because that was what he was dependent upon to make his living. It was only by soliciting the sympathy of others that he could survive. And I gather that he was probably pretty good at what he did. Finally, for the most part, his life was defined by the last words of verse 30, sitting by the road. Those four words describe his situation, blind, begging, pitied, sitting by the road. Now, I can't tell you how Bartimaeus and his friend came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Perhaps, as they sat at the gate of the city each day, they heard the news stories that were being brought about they heard the stories that were being told by the people as they entered and left the city. Stories about Jesus of Nazareth and the miraculous things he was able to do. But whatever he heard, he came to believe that Jesus was the promised one. You remember after the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, the disciples reported to Thomas, the one disciple who was not present when Jesus came into their midst, they reported to him that Jesus was alive. But Thomas simply could not believe. And he did not believe until Jesus reappeared and let him actually touch his wounded flesh. Thomas then believed. And Jesus said in John chapter 20 and verse 29, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Like Bartimaeus, none of us has ever seen Jesus with our physical eyes. But I heard about Jesus and I believed what I heard. But faith is not just believing the facts about Jesus. I don't just believe that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sin-free life, that he died on a cross. Although I believe all those things. I believe he died in my place to pay for my sin. I don't just believe in the fact of the resurrection. I believe he is alive and living in me. Faith produces belief in what you cannot see. Secondly, faith produces action on that belief. Faith is not just believing that God exists. It is acting on that belief. Barnabas and his friends hear the noise of a crowd as they approached. They heard that Jesus was coming, but if they did nothing, Jesus would soon pass them by. These men at least knew what their condition was. These men at least knew they were blind and in perpetual darkness. They knew and they believed that their condition could not be changed without help. But these men not only knew their condition, but they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and they knew that they must do something. And so they were forced to break the rules of polite society and make a scene. I think that it's amazing that our Lord, who is on his way to Jerusalem to die, who had weighty matters on his mind, still found the time to be concerned over two poor suffering souls. Verse 30 reveals that the blind man cried out saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Sometimes those who see the most clearly are not those who stand out in society, not the rich, the famous, or the powerful. In fact, these blind men stand in stark contrast to the rich young ruler that we talked about earlier. By their very choice of words and use of the title Son of David, the blind men are revealing that they recognize who Jesus was, they recognize that he is the Messiah, the promised seed of the line of David. The recognition of who Jesus was was the basis of everything else that's going to happen, even today. What you believe about the person of Jesus is the single most important thing in your life. It is that question alone on which all of eternity rests Who is this man? They called Jesus. That day, when Jesus passed by, Bartimaeus and his friend were suddenly faced with the biggest decision of their lives. Would they continue to be dependent upon others where they felt safe? Or would they assume responsibility for themselves and cast their fate with Jesus? They chose to cry out to Jesus. Herbert Lockyer in his book, All the Miracles of the Bible, points out ordinarily as a beggar, Bartimaeus would have sought to make capital out of the crowd. More passerbyers meant more money in his box. But as sight was more important to him than money, he deliberately sacrificed financial advantage for eyesight. He would have been a fool had he acted otherwise. Would it that many today who are too busy making money to think about their soul salvation would realize what a treasure they are sacrificing? We have to think about our own condition for a moment this morning, and we have to ask ourselves the question, what's keeping me from being all that God wants me to be? Sometimes we're so involved in the blame game we blame our parents or society or our, our nationality or our rotten luck in life. Sometimes we even blame it on the weather, but you're free to do that if you choose, but there's a price for that dubious freedom, and that price is staying where you are. I don't want you to miss the truth here. <clears throat> Jesus never passed through Jericho again. Do you know that the average person doesn't have unlimited opportunities to be saved? It could be that you've had some narrow escapes in your life, times when you said to yourself, I could have died. Maybe you've experienced an illness or some brush with death that really got your attention. Maybe at that time you thought, you know, I don't really know if I'm ready to meet my maker. Perhaps you even intended to do something about it, but once the pressure was off, you didn't do anything. It may be that you've sat in church and service after service where you felt the tug of the Holy Spirit at your heart, but you didn't do anything about it. Consider with me the moral of the story here. Jesus didn't pass this way anymore. You need to understand that if you allow salvation to pass you by, you may never have the opportunity again. When you know that you're lost and you know that you have no claim on heaven and you want to change the direction of your life, that is the time to come to the Lord. The prophet Isaiah warned, and his warning is still relevant. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. In fact, statistically, the longer you wait, the less likely you will make a salvation decision. Thomas Rainer, in his book, The Bridger Generation, notes that 81% of those people who became Christians became Christians before the age of 19. Human reasoning may tell you you have plenty of time to be saved, but that may not be true. Faith produces action on that belief. Third, faith produces persistence in the face of obstacles. These blind men, as I've already said, stand in stark contrast to the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler dropped his spiritual quest when Jesus presented him with an obstacle, telling him, in chapter 19, verse 21, Go and sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and come and follow me. The blind men also faced an obstacle, the obstacle of the disapproval of others, but they persevered. First of all, look at, they were warned to be quiet, verse 31. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Those leading the way into town, perhaps some of them were the elders of Jericho, may have been irritated by the interruption and unseemly disturbance caused by the blind men. What these men were shouting was dangerous within the hearing of the Romans. And what these men were shouting could bring trouble from the Jewish religious leadership. It says at first the blind men called out, but when they tried to make them be quiet, they cried out even, reality, they didn't get softer. They had to la- yell even louder because they had to raise their voice above the people who were telling them to shut up. But they refused to be silenced by people trying to rebuke them who had no knowledge of the misery of their situation. Sometimes we hear the same sort of thing. Others may threaten those who have a loud and boisterous faith. You may be politely at first, asked to quiet down. Talk about your faith with passion. You may get expressions of concern about the inappropriateness of your emotions. Allow others to see your brokenness and you will be reprimanded for being too open. If you cry in the service or you pray at the altar or you sing too loudly or if you actually raise your hand, what will people think? Anyone that doesn't look like me, dress like me, act like me, believe exactly like me, is threatening to me. The sad truth is that many people want a church that comforts their challenges rather than challenging their comforts. Secondly, they're asked what they wanted. Jesus not only heard the cry, but more importantly, he heard the pain of these men. So in verse 32, he says, so Jesus stood still and called them. Mark adds in his gospel, Jesus stopped and said, tell him to come here. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. In the second part of verse 32, Jesus asked the men, what do you want for me to do for you? It seems like a rather silly question, doesn't it? What blind person doesn't want to see? It is not that Jesus doesn't know what these men wanted. It is that Jesus wants them to admit their need. In contrast with the rich young ruler of the previous section, the blind men did. He admitted his need, and he pleaded for mercy. Bartimaeus and the other man knew exactly what they wanted, and they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. Persistence produces, faith produces persistence in the face of obstacles. And fourth, faith produces reward from the Lord. And so Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. Now Luke's account in Luke chapter 18 links this man's faith to his receiving his healing. He says, receive your sight, your faith. Has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and following, God, following him glorified God. Just how this miracle of healing occurred, we are not told. Matthew tells us that he touched his eyes. Mark says that his faith had made him well. Luke tells us that Jesus said, just receive your sight. No matter how that restoration was accomplished, whether it was by touch or a spoken word, or both, the healing was instant and complete. I think it's important to note that the healing was not contingent upon anything that they could offer Jesus. They did nothing in advance to prove their sincerity, and they did not promise to do anything for Jesus afterward. They simply believed. Faith Produced reward from the Lord. And fifth and finally, faith results in following Jesus. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. I believe that the reality of these men's faith is not seen so much in their healing, but in their willingness to follow Jesus and glorify God. We need to reach out and trust as these men did. Praise God after receiving blessings from God's hands, and we need to follow Jesus. If you want to know if you're a real real Christian, then consider this. Take a look at your life. Whom do you follow? What are the great ambitions that drive your life? The one who has really come to Jesus for salvation will always be known by the general direction of their life god has no policeman who will grab us by the neck and say you have to read your bible you must go to church you need to give to missions when god created man he created us superior to all other creatures he gave us power and that power and privilege was the power and privilege of choice he will never us. With the privilege of choice goes the terrible responsibility, however, of living with the results or consequences of our choices. Luke's gospel asks, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Apparently, Barnabas kept glorifying God as loudly and persistently as he had once cried for help. The effect that was that others who witnessed this gave praise to God also. The blind man's life was transformed, and his transformed life led the people to praise God also. The blind man <clears throat> realized a crucial truth. Jesus is not a means to an end. Jesus is the end itself. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for what Jesus has done for us. He's given us spiritual sight. When we realized that we were sinners and we came and asked to be forgiven, and knew that our sins had been forgiven, There may be someone here this morning that needs to make that decision, Lord, and I pray that you'd speak to their hearts, help them to realize that they are sinners, completely lost without you, just as all of us once were. But that salvation is available by taking that free gift that is offered. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin. And all they need to do is accept that payment in repentance and faith. Father, we ask that each of us might be made aware of the great cost of our salvation and be working diligent in our lives to see that faith does produce fruit, fruit that a lost world can see. And like the blind man, we might lead others to come to to know you because they see our transformed life. Father, whatever it is that you want to do in this time, we want to turn this invitation over to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.